0: What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. And if this is the first time that you're listening, or maybe you listen all the time and didn't know that you could do this, click the subscribe button on whatever platform it is that you listen to the podcast on. And if you have social media, Facebook, Instagram, follow along at That Curious Jones, share this episode in your story or on your posts, tell people what you think. I appreciate it a ton, and I'm sure whoever else finds it will appreciate it as well. My guest today is a former friend of mine. We hadn't spoken in like 25 years. Um, We grew up together. We played midget football together. And the last I knew, he was an EMT. And I didn't really know a whole lot else. But I randomly came across a Facebook post. Um, It may have even been somebody else sharing a video from his YouTube channel. And to my surprise, he had a very successful YouTube channel. And he was no longer an EMT, or at least I didn't realize that uh, his profession had changed. And he was now a barber, and his YouTube channel or show was called Therapy, which is a really cool interview type show where he talks to people while he's cutting their hair. And he's had some really interesting people on, people from the military, police officers, firefighters, paramedics, and others as well. And The show is fantastic. He's picked up as a sponsor and he's getting ready to start season two. Um, We actually did an episode and we had a problem with the recording and we had to get back on here and do it again, but it actually turned out really good. I'm so glad that he was willing to come back on and give me a second night to pull it off. But if you guys get an opportunity, make sure that you go check out his website, his YouTube channel, and everything that he's doing on Instagram. He goes by Tate the Barber. Give it up for my guest, Tate Yoey. But really quickly, before we enjoy this episode, do me a favor, head to the website of the sponsor of this podcast, Action Specialty Roast Coffee and Natural Supplements. Head to drinkaction.com, and that's spelled action with a K. And if you use code word curious, you will save 15% off in addition to 20% off if you sign up for a subscription. That's right. You can have freshly roasted coffee straight from the mountains of Guatemala delivered to your doorstep along with the best natural supplements. Things like turmeric, MCTs, CBD, and soon-to-be-released mushroom blend coffees, as well as a couple of other things that are kind of hot and in the works, but I can't share quite yet. But if you head to the website, drinkaction.com, you can get it all. You can follow along on Instagram at drinkaction as well. And you can grab some Rumble Time. I don't know if you guys are big fans of Rumble Johnson, but one of the best knockout artists in mixed martial arts history has his own specialty roast coffee with action called Rumble Time. If you're a fan of jiu-jitsu, we lean in there as well too. Follow Mary Barron and all of what she's up to as well. Drinkaction.com, action spelled with a K, code word curious and enjoy this episode how are you
1: hey brother how you doing
0: i'm good i'm really good round two yes you know I will say my parents always told me that practice makes perfect. So
1: <laughs> true story.
0: It's a, uh, it's a pleasure to have you back on or hey. I guess for everybody else, it's the first time, but That's yeah, man, we did, a, we did a full hour long podcast, maybe even a little longer than an hour long <laughs> podcast. And to my horror, I go get the <laughs> file out of my Dropbox put it into my editing software and I'm like, why won't this work? Why won't this work? And I tried absolutely everything. And I don't know if something was corrupted, but haven't been able to duplicate the error since. So couldn't
1: I just, make it happen.
0: Yeah. Have you had any issues on your show with technical difficulties or anything?
1: Um I wouldn't say well a couple times. A couple times. we we we've shot like a whole a whole segment like the wrong like the wrong lens
0: <laughs> oh, <right.
1: laughs> oh no i'll tell you the first one we uh when we, when we shot the first one we set a tripod up and um you forgot to put on autofocus so every time i would move it would pull in and out of focus every single time oh god it was horrible the entire shot was just ruined live yeah. and learn
0: yeah no you do it's uh I've been fortunate. I haven't had really any issues with this show. I did a show prior to this with my younger brother called the bud brothers. And it was our first attempt. And I went out and I bought this, like uh, it was, I think a a zoom recorder or something. I don't know. It's like a multi-channel digital recorder that you could actually plug a microphone in like with a microphone jack, or you could use a USB mic, but like trying to be purists. And it was like the first podcast we did, We wanted to do it on location, in person, and we wanted to do it with like all the equipment that we ultimately realized we didn't need because it was so not important. And (laughs) because of that, we completely forgot to like click the one side of the analog recorder. So we only had a backup from like the laptop that was running and it was outside at a pool and long story short, it was a disaster. So I was able to learn rather quickly through those experiences and try to translate it. And by the way, zoom is like what everybody uses every single day, at least in my, my regular world. I oh yeah. Say. So absolutely. you gotta be an idiot to screw it up. But I also, I don't know if you've, yeah, there you go. I had to get that one. Right.
1: One of my clients brought me this from Boston. It's called bully boy. Ooh. Uh, so, uh, first time I open it up tonight, and we'll see how she goes.
0: Yeah, it looks delicious.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it works.
0: Nice. So, cheers. Cheers, man. Um. So, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about this, and I had no idea that you had, like, a successful YouTube channel and the show and a career as a barber. I think as, you know, maybe we talked about prior, it had been probably 20 years since you and I have right.
1: spoken. Easy.
0: Easily 20 years. And I had like, last I knew you were an EMT. I, I mm-hmm. saw that somewhere. And when I saw on Facebook, which I think we had always remained friends and maybe Mark Zuckerberg created some algorithm that like kept us <laughs> apart. That's what it was. The Zuck. You know, that evil, that evil robot. But, That's right. you know, I, I for somehow stumbled across and I saw this video and it was it was like a preview. It wasn't a, a full episode.
1: Yeah, that was the first thing that we shot because I was curious to how people would receive it. So I was like, let's just shoot like a, almost like a pilot episode. And that's what started the whole thing.
0: Okay, so you kind of actually like market researched it to yeah. get a sense of, of how people would receive it.
1: But yeah, um, that's exactly what we did.
0: I, I mean, I must have caught it a while after you had kind of like gotten it going because Mm -hmm. after I saw that, I went and caught an episode, it was a firefighter. And you were talking about um, like his saves Mm -hmm. and the lives that he was able to, you know, to rescue during, you know, fires. And I think it, it almost came across like stuff that isn't conversation that you typically have with people in that profession, even if you're in the profession with them. But this right. was kind of like a really cool opportunity to broker that dialogue. And that's why I, I f- like was super hooked and wanted to get in contact with you. So if you could, because I'm going to dive into all the stuff leading up to it and a bunch of other things that probably have nothing to do with it. But <laughs> maybe just give everybody who's listening an idea of what Cherokee is and what you're doing now and, you know, kind of what your goal or purpose is in doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I spent uh, this is my 15th year working, uh, still working at EMS part time now, but I worked full time up until about 2012, and uh, then I just I had the idea to go to barber school. I needed a change, and there's a bar, local barber school, so I thought, why, why the hell not? I was literally holding a application for a bartending school and one for barber school, and I called them both, and barber school called me back first, so I went to barber school. <laughs>
0: Like the same, that's like the fateful thing that happens to so many people. It's like, well, oh, yeah. I, I, I was gonna go here, or go there, and this is these guys called me first,
1: absolutely. Uh, so I went to school, school was about a year. Um, and then when I got to the shop, first shop that I worked at, I wanted something at my station that was a piece of me from my previous life working EMS. Uh, and so I hung my, my badge up, uh, and you can see it in that first little preview that we did. There's a whole little piece on it, and I started getting. Uh, former co-workers that I worked EMS with and police officers and firefighters started coming in to support my business because the, that's just the family environment of emergency services. And as they started coming in and saw my patch and badge on the wall, they're like, let's put ours on the wall. So then we, it blew up to well over like 300 patches now of military, police, EMS, fire departments. And like my, my rule is I have to at least cut your hair to add a patch to the wall. So that's what started this whole movement of therapy, And I realized that the barber chair was this safe space, this neutral space, where it was okay to bring up things about their careers or why they chose those life paths. And they were willing to talk about them. They were almost able to pull down the veil a little bit and let me into their life. And that's where the, the concept of Cheropee came in.
0: Jesus. And I got
1: a chance to meet um, the producer, Will, who does all the videography for it. And uh, he immediately loved it. Absolutely loved it. And we had literally zero budget to start. <laughs> when I talked to Will, I was like, "Listen, we can do this, but it's got to be for free because we can work towards getting paid." And we shot that that preview, and um, the CEO of U Financial and Mass Mutual saw it, and he reached out to me and he said, "We want to sponsor the whole first season." Problem solved. How so much? They paid- that
0: like I know financially that makes a huge difference. Oh, huge. But how? psychologically the effect of like having like right out of the gate before you even get started, somebody believes in you enough oh, to be huge. like, Hey, you don't have to seek me out. I'm going to seek you out and let you know that I'm going to fund this before somebody else has the opportunity to.
1: Absolutely. It was, it was the most amazing thing. Um, just the fact that they, they wanted to fund it. It gave us this huge push, like, all right, people do believe in what we're doing. It's not just this idea. People are really getting behind this movement. And uh, what it was, that financial compensation really helped us because it allowed us to elevate our gear. We were allowed to get some better cameras, some better lighting, um, all that good stuff. But it also gave us the opportunity to, to really treat our guests with a level of care, like um, provide um, some, some beverages for them, some food for them, give them a little grab bag to go, Um, products and that kind of stuff really kind of give them an experience of being on the episode
0: that's so cool man yeah so what like did you have in mind once you had the pilot kick off and you get feedback from people did you already have a set group of people who you wanted to connect with right i had the
1: first five the first five were pretty pretty standard so we put out that that preview and within about a month That was like about three weeks. We had like 17,000 views on it. It just went wild. And um, so I knew right out the the gate, I wanted episodes that were going to grab people and pull in a huge audience so that we could create a big base that would help us further down the road. So I knew I could pull from the military, police, fire department, EMS, and a dispatcher. Collectively all of those people had the most amazing experiences and that really helped us get a solid base to just keep going. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny. That's in a way how this podcast has continued to grow. Mm -hmm. And I I guess maybe it was somewhat strategic. Like it it wasn't why I did it, but it's certainly why I'm willing to continue to do it is that being able to talk to different people, brings me into so many new groups of individuals and I'll, I'll get exposed to, you know, depending on who I'm talking to, a thousand new people who want, who get an opportunity to listen to me because of that person and Mm -hmm. maybe 50 of them stick around forever. But if I do a hundred episodes and that continues to happen, it's just, it's really cool because then you start getting feedback from all these different types of people from all these different types of places. And Every month, I feel like exponentially it continues to, you know, grow that that same way, and it's so cool. I'm sure you you see that as well too with all oh, the. Different-
1: it's amazing because people people will come up and say like, like the things that I'm able to ask them during an episode is stuff that people want to ask these individuals in these professions all the time. Um, like my first guest, her name was Christina, um, wonderful human. She's an 18-year vet in the Army, uh, Major, Major Christina Martin. And, uh, you know, the one uncomfortable question I think a lot of people want to ask a veteran that it has served and has deployed is, what was deployment like? And she was willing to pull back the curtains and just tell everything about what her deployment was like. And that was, that was a really special piece for me, that she was willing to be so vulnerable in the chair. Also, people did not expect the first episode to be a a woman. We kept that one secret until the first episode dropped because it's a barbershop. You assume
0: it's going to be a guy. I I didn't think about that. That's a really good point. And when you started this, were you shooting it in the shop that you were like, I, I guess you have like a seat in the shop, but I, I always kind of think of like a bar. I've obviously been to the barber in a really long <laughs> time, right? Um, so I think of, yeah, right. Um, so I, I always kind of like a liken it to a tattoo parlor where, you know, there's, there's several artists and one of them, maybe a couple of them own the shop and then the others are there and they're some sort of an arrangement. And I would imagine at a certain level it's similar in a barbershop uh, that's
1: very, very similar the the shop that that i've the first shop that i worked in where we filmed the, the whole first season um there was one owner for the shop and then the rest of us just paid chair rental to, to rent the space
0: that's i mean so cool that you had the support of them yeah. able to bring bring the show in there and obviously i'm sure probably helped bring business that direction as well Oh,
1: it was huge um I've been on I've been able to be on so many new like ABC 27, Fox 43, all the new stations down here have covered it. Um our our little paper back on Bradford Air did a full front page on therapy. Oh,
0: that's so cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Like it's the it's it's able to push, push it out even further into even further than I thought it would be.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's man, that's fantastic. And you've got big plans for season two that you shared with me.
1: Yeah, yeah, big plans. We were hoping to do some traveling for season two. Um, I was really inspired by there's a show on um, the Food uh, Travel Channel by Anthony Bourdain. It's like Destination Unknown or something like that. Something like I'm probably messing it up, but what
0: great show.
1: Yes, you understand the concept. Yes. Um, the, the show was less about food as much as it was more about the community around food and i want to adapt that concept to less about haircuts haircuts are a dime a dozen i'm interested in the community that's built around barbershops that's where it's at
0: do you like i always thought we had growing up in bradford some kind of magical and very unique uh guest community and yeah absolutely I'm sure, too, like my family and the way my grandfather, I was telling you the last time we spoke, like we both went to the same barber as, a, as mm-hmm. a, these two bald guys. So I don't know if there's something about that, but uh, <laughs> George's barbershop, man. And George, you, you George were, Pascarella. And, you know, gosh, I mean, that was not only the barbershop, but that was my grandfather's, you know, poker hall. It was where him and his buddies would gather afterwards at nighttime and play cards yeah. And I it was would a place
1: for higher education.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was there five days a week Yeah. You know, during the summertime he would babysit. I was, you know, first, second, maybe third grade at the time. Mm-hmm. And I would go there. And when I was sick from school, I would go down to Georgia's. and if I didn't need a haircut, I would just sit there and, you know, put money in the gumball machines and look. whatever at the-
1: black and white Western he had on the TV. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yes.
0: You know, just, I would listen to these old guys talk and I find myself now, I don't know if that's just a part of my genetics and my DNA mm-hmm. or if those moments left an imprint on me because I just like, even before this, I was at the Y, I was at the sauna, you mm-hmm. know, and I love obviously the physical benefits of being in the sauna and how I feel and what it does for me. But there's like, now that I've been doing it for a couple of years at the same time, every night, there's a core group of guys and it's kind of, we have like, I'm turning into one of those old men, you know and I'm? But it, it absolutely does, as we're talking about this, it, it takes me back to that. And I wonder, you know, some people wouldn't appreciate that and probably would be like, I, I don't want to sit in here and talk to anybody, right? I, I kind of actually enjoy it. And I think it might have something to do with those memories.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, when I walked into barber school the first day, I was greeted with the smell of aftershave and tell powder. And it reminded me of George's. And I was like, yep, this is it. I'm home. I knew it as soon as I walked in.
0: You told me a story when you finished up and you got your your certificate. You went back.
1: Yeah, you- I went back and saw George. Yeah, I told him I, you know, I I stopped in and I was telling him that I finished barber school. And and not to not to go off the topic, but it always amazes me, it doesn't matter how long I've been away from home. If I go to George's, he remembers me by name. I'm sure he remembers you too. Right. <laughs> so I walk in and he immediately knows who I am and asks how my dad and grandpa are. And um, I told him I finished barber school and he was doing a haircut. He stopped and just reached, like, held out his hand and handed me the shear and comb. I'm like, ha, ha, no, like, nope. <laughs> that was seven years ago. I'd be a little more, I, I, would, I would take over for him now.
0: No, dude, I, I love the idea of traveling and, and incorporating the, the town, the culture. It's just, I mean, A, it's another way to just reach so many new people. Mm-hmm. And get the message of Cherokee, which is so much bigger than just the episodes. If anybody hasn't checked it out, like go watch them because the stories that you tap into and the people that you've been able to get on the show, it's fantastic. And to your point, it's everything that you're asking them are the things that I'm always sitting there, like thinking yeah. in my head, I'd love to know that about somebody, but I don't always feel like I'm in the right position to ask. And it's yeah. probably why I have this podcast Cause I'm, I'm selfishly tapping into that, you know, on a regular basis, I guess, in a way.
1: Well, like uh, you referenced Jay, uh, the firefighter episode, Uh, Jason in that episode, I've I've known him for a very long time. I've always looked up to him and I've always admired him, but I've never felt where I was comfortable enough to ask him about the stuff in his career until we did an episode of Cherokee. Mm -hmm. And what was nice is it tied the whole Harrisburg community in. Um, the one particular incident he talks about, there was a, a house fire where the grandmother was handing her, the grandbabies out the window, and she didn't make it out the window, so she sacrificed her own life to get her grandkids out. It was a, it was a, it was a real touching story. It really rocked Harrisburg when that happened.
0: Yeah, wow. those are real real things, That to your point. like We were able to family. put them
1: together, too. The firefighters had never met the family. <laughs> the, the ones that were pulling the babies out of the window. And they were able to see the episode and actually see the people who did it.
0: That was a touching moment. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. How, how many years you said 15 years you worked as an EMT? Mm-hmm. This is my 15th year. Do you still do it just like part a... time, Part time.
1: very, very part time.
0: Do <laughs> you think you'll do it forever? or at least as long as you can, or is it
1: 25, 25 years? Because Pennsylvania recognizes, but like, they give you a 25 year pen. So I'm in it, I'm in it for the 25.
0: Seems like it would be such a fun job.
1: Uh, it is. It really is. But, um, Pens- well, this area specifically doesn't pay for shit. So I make more, I, I, I advanced my life even further, Barbara. I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you because, I mean, I remember going to George's. I mean, geez, I, I pay more for a ham sandwich now than I did to get a haircut back then, you know? He still
1: charges it
0: $8. It's, it's like incredible, right? <laughs> um, but I, I just, like, I feel like a lot of things have taken this turn for nostalgia. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the, I, I don't even know what the, what the actual term would be but you see it. with
1: It's very nostalgic. It's a throwback yeah. to to old school barbering, old school culture.
0: Yep. Yeah. And you see that with so many other things, whether it's like beer, like I, like Pap's Blue Ribbon got like really big again. You oh, know? PBR. Thank right? the college kids. Yes. It's um, it becomes trendy again. Mm-hmm. And like beards have become trendy again. And all of these things, it's it's lining up perfectly for somebody like yourself to oh, really yeah. lean in and then take it to the next level because listen, as much as I appreciate George, he, George is perfect for Bradford, by the way, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Like for that community and what people are looking for. He, he nails it. He knocks it out of the park. Yeah. It's, um, but like you, you've like really leaned into like the art of, is it, what is it? Barbering?
1: It's and so it's actually uh, a tonsorial artistry is what it's called. Okay. The technical term for it. But tonsorial. yes, uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the, the history of barbering because it's, it's one, of, one of the oldest professions. In fact, in Pennsylvania at 16, I can apprentice someone to be a barber without a, without a uh, high school education still. And that's what, that's what I love about it. It's nostalgic. It's old. Like shear and comb is the same things that they were using over 100 years ago there's just there's something to be said about that and it lends to the 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 current shop that i own it's the oldest working shop in mechanicsburg pennsylvania about 100 125 years old
0: and when did you officially acquire that september 1st last year what a moment was that like you've been building up for that for a while right oh yeah
1: yeah i've been at the other shop for right around six and a half say almost six years And, um, I built a a strong community, a strong following and the timing was perfect. It was just, it was time for me to, to buy the place.
0: How, how is that leaving behind where you were? And that was bittersweet because that was,
1: that was my home. That was the first shop I've ever cut hair. in. Yeah. Um, I grew there. I learned there. I had disappointments there. I gave bad haircuts there. What do you
0: you got to tell me like, what are some of the horror stories of like being a barber and looking down and being like, Oh man, I totally screwed this one up.
1: The, the trick is you don't react to it. <laughs> you just keep going. <laughs> well, uh, Let's see. Um, I think, I think if you ask any new barber, the, the complaint that they will typically get the most until they learn their clientele is too short or too long. Oh, you took me a little short or you left me a little long. Very rarely is it a huge, huge mess up. Huge,
0: yeah. Never like take off a sideburn on accident or?
1: No, no, I haven't really done anything like that. (laughs) No, thankfully.
0: That'd be my, that literally like horrifying. And I've had, um, it's funny, dude. Like I buzz my own head. And then recently I've started to actually like just use a razor, which when we talked, I haven't done it yet. I need to find the time to like work going back to finding a barber and going back and just getting like a straight razor and getting shave and just enjoying that time again Mm -hmm. treating myself a little bit
1: um well I think that's that's one thing that's special about the barbershop is that my clients that come in now I'm in there I work by myself and I work by appointment only so it's it's only ever me and my client in in the shop and when they come in it's like it's like that 30 minutes of just unplug. And get my hair cut. I'm going to relax, have a drink, and just chill out.
0: So, you serve a little drink on the side? Oh, absolutely.
1: You know, my goal from the beginning was to make haircut, getting a haircut, an experience and not a chore.
0: That's so cool, dude. Like, now I'm. You should get like a little acoustic setup going on. (laughs) that's, That's really cool. And you were telling me it originated and like the spiral, the kind of what the, the pole, right. The, mm-hmm. with the red spiral, the barber- there's, there's a meaning behind that, that I was blown away. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, I can go
1: into it a little bit. The um, so the barber pole, as we know it today is red, white, and blue. Um, the original barber pole was just red and white. And because barbers used to do bloodletting for people who were sick or ill because um, barbers were the first surgeons pre-Civil War because we had sterile utensils to use. So we would do tooth pulling, we would do amputations, and we would do bloodletting. The bloodletting was the biggest one. So they believe that, um, like changing the oil in the car, you would just, they would cut your, put a little incision on your wrist and they would let you bleed until you filled up a basin. And then they would wrap you up with white bandages. When when you stop bleeding, they would take those white bandages and hang them outside to dry. And they would wrap around the pole and that's where you got the red and white pole from from that was the original barber pole they later added the blue for the veins that's where you get the red white and the blue
0: do they teach that at school
1: yeah yeah there's a there's a whole first like semester of barber school is nothing but history
0: that's really cool i don't know why my mind's going here but do you have any idea like and is there a requirement probably state by state but like the percentage of people who are barbers that have gone to barber school? Like, do you, do you have to, like, could I just go and open up my own barber studio?
1: Um, well, you mean like goes to a conventional school versus becomes an apprentice? Yeah. Or you mean like, so you, you have to have a license in, in the state of Pennsylvania. Okay, You have to have a license, Pennsylvania barber's license to cut hair. Um, if you own a shop, you have to have a Pennsylvania shop license to cut hair. Um, and then you can go to barber school, which is about a year, or you can do an apprenticeship too.
0: Which is, and the apprenticeship would be like, okay, Hey, I want to cut hair. And I know this guy down the road and he's got a shop and he's going to let me come in there and he'll teach me. And I've got to spend X a number of hours to become certified, to be able to go and work somewhere else and get my certif- certificate.
1: Correct. The minimum requirements for Pennsylvania is 1,250 hours to get your barber's license. So essentially if I was going to apprentice somebody, they would come into the shop and we would teach from the book. The only difference is while you're apprenticing, you can make money cutting hair in school. You're not making any money because you can keep, you can cut hair up until your, your skill, your skill set. So if you're doing buzz cuts, you can do buzz cuts all day long.
0: Do you think there's a benefit one way or the other?
1: Um, School gives you a more rounded um, lesson. Because in school, I'm learning, I had to learn women's haircuts, colors, foils, perms. I had to learn all of that because we're tested on it. We don't really do that in the barbershop. So I would have to outsource that just for them to get that education.
0: Very well rounded young man.
1: <laughs> now, now, to be fair, I haven't rolled a perm rod since barber
0: school. <laughs> so I've never done one. So how about that?
1: You're not missing much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you were, I remember you showed this. Um, this picture it was like a horseshoe it, it just instantly reminded me of like the old school marine oh
1: yeah that's horseshoe flat top marine corps hind tight horseshoe flat top
0: which it looks technically difficult oh. to master and then you're putting it on like jocko wilnick which <laughs> it, you know i'm just like thinking you're you must be like sitting there like just dripping
1: yeah right?
0: you're preparing to like do that which
1: for, for me, like, um, so there is no actual term for, like, the term master barber doesn't exist. It's just a term people like to throw around to make themselves sound good, right? To me, the definition of a master barber is you can do that
0: haircut. Because that's a technically very difficult haircut. What, would, what else is, like, a difficult haircut to do?
1: Um... I really don't know to tell you the truth, like because that's one of the more difficult ones because it's all freehand. There's no comb.
0: Okay. How often are you using like a, a set of like clippers?
1: Oh, every every haircut.
0: Every haircut. Mm-hmm. So that's that's standard. And yeah. Then, okay, yeah. I'm asking dumb questions, but it really has been probably man. No, no
1: it's fine. I ask away. Everyone's got questions.
0: Now, right. I still
1: do shaves. <laughs> still do shaves in the shop.
0: Yeah, and, and you sh- you sharpen the blade with like a leather. Is well, that
1: that's, a, that's another fun fact about Pennsylvania.
0: Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> you ready for that? Here's here's the the
1: hypocrisy and the best awkwardry of Pennsylvania. To license my barbershop, I have to have a conventional straight razor, a strop, and a home. Department of Health, since like 1989, we're not allowed to use conventional razors. We have to use disposable razors because of the AIDS epidemic. But you can't have one without the other. You have to have one to license a shop, but you're not allowed
0: to use it. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, welcome to bureaucracy at
0: its finest. Well, I'm sure they'll figure that one out. <laughs> Long after I'm gone. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. It's been a wild ride, though. Own, uh, you know, jump, Jumping right into business ownership, I never thought I'd be there. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Never thought I'd be owning my own business. Did did you think like when you started cutting hair that you would just figure out a way to make a living renting a chair?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's typically what you do. I mean, I was in a great shop. I had no, no desire to go anywhere. Um, I was building a good clientele base, but I just, I outgrew where I was at. I was ready to start really doing my own thing, creating my own environment, my own atmosphere. Um, I essentially branded tate the barber so now like that's my brand people come to the shop for me
0: yeah yeah we were talking about richie the barber because yeah richie yeah yeah he was and i was telling you i was in la just i was down i was in the art i'm trying to think where i was i was like kind of by skid row actually Mm -hmm. um we were doing a cannabis event in la and i ran out to the store to get supplies of some some of something i and this guy, like, total face tattooed like a clown. <laughs> hair looks, like a clown looks like a clown, red hair. Yeah, I, I, he, like, walked by me. And at first, I was just like, this is L.A. But I realized <laughs> he was on a live. And mm-hmm. I'm just, an, I don't know, man. I, I like to investigate things. So I instantly go to Instagram and I start searching Los Angeles clown barber, Los mm-hmm. Angeles clown or something. I don't even think I knew he was a barber at the time somehow I found his Instagram page and then I was able to connect with him. And early on, I tried to get him on the podcast, like as one of the first five or 10 guests, mm-hmm. and He was like, you need to pay me. And I, I was like, you know, he's what? all about, he's all about this. I re- I respect him, man. Respect I respect the hustle. Really- yeah. I was like, listen, I just can't justify paying somebody to, to come on the podcast, but I appreciate the hustle for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, look at I mean shit, I'm talking about him two years later right now. <laughs> so if you're out well, in LA, go go check out Richie the Barber because
1: so that that's his allure. He doesn't work in a brick and mortar shop. He Jesus. only
0: does he only does house calls. I know he does like Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. He only does house calls. He he does not work for anybody. He seems like a really cool dude i've only had like these brief social media like
1: it's funny the way you said you gotta paint because that's exactly how he talks too
0: (laughs) he's (laughs) like nothing's free like he kind of said it jokingly yeah but he you know listen he's he's filling his day up with paid engagements and he's like why the hell would i come on your podcast when i could go get paid to cut hair yeah i totally get (laughs) So you're telling me that the shop that you bought, it's the oldest shop in the Mechanicsburg, Harrisburg. You're, you're like Harris. You're just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah,
1: about, about 10 minutes outside Harrisburg. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's the, the oldest working shop in Mechanicsburg. Um, it's called Nybert's Barbershop. It was named after Harold Nybert in 1928, but previous to that it was owned by Silas Williams in the late 1870s. And then... Uh, Harold Nyberg owned it from 1928 he bought it; I think he was 15 or 16 years old he owned it until 1981 when Charlie Dorica bought it and that's who I bought the shop from so I'm the fourth owner in over 120 years
0: that's that's got to feel really special when you open the when you open that place up in the morning and when you close it up at night
1: it really hit home so the basement of this building, it's a dirt floor basement with a stone foundation. Old, 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 old. And uh, Charlie, the, the previous barber that owned it, had told me like, hey, down in the basement, there's all of this old stuff that previous owners had just left for the next owner. So I'm just going to leave it all down there for you. Wonderful. <laughs> so I go down to the basement and the big I-beam runs right down the middle of the shop. All three barbers before me had signed it and dated it all the way back to the 1870s. And that's when it hit home, like put my name on that beam. I own this shop now.
0: And like legitimately put my name on that beam.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was that was a good moment. That that felt real, real, real.
0: Did you post a picture or am I just imagining this of a footprint? Yeah. That was you, right? That was, and me. That, was and that was after we spoke the last time. Yeah, I yeah. I came you, into work. Like, I need to talk to him about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I came into work and um, there was a child's footprint pressed into the mat at the barber at,
0: behind my station. Did you you posted a picture of that? Right? Is it still yep. it's still up? Yeah, it's still up. It's on your Instagram. What is mm-hmm. your Instagram? Tate the barber. That's right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and there's there's no rhyme or reason to this footprint. I have the only keys to the shop. Nobody broke in no idea
0: (laughs) yeah that's very strange i don't doubt that there
1: is some supernatural in that shop i mean as old as it is
0: yeah yeah it's it's i do you well obviously you believe in kind of something like
1: that um i'm sure yeah absolutely Absolutely. And there's so many there's so many stories that surround that shop uh, good stories. That there's there's no way that something doesn't go on there. I think one of my favorite stories on my Instagram. There's a picture of the shop in 1870. It's the first documented photo of the shop. And if you look in the back corner of the shop, uh, there's a there's an African American man in the back of the shop. His name's Jimmy. And Jimmy owned a shoe business uh, right next door to the barber shop. And he would shine shoes in the barber shop when he wasn't busy. Yeah, uh, he moved up here after the Civil War. And people people to this day. Remember I have one client who remembers getting a shoe shined by this guy and Jimmy had a sign and he would put it outside and it said, if the signs out, Jimmy's in, if the signs in, Jimmy's out. (laughs) Doesn't get much simpler than that.
0: So you, there's people that come, wait. So there's people that literally come into your shop now that remember this guy. Yep. That's so crazy.
1: And then you figured Harold, who bought the shop in 1928, was still cutting hair in 1981. So there's, there's some overlap of people there too.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you do, you got to think about like how many generations of people we really are away from things.
1: Oh, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: Like in the grand scheme of just how old the universe is, we're so close combined. Like I, I heard something, uh, is, is it Cleopatra. So Cleopatra is closer in time to us than she is to the creation of the pyramids.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Or clo- yeah. not closer to the creation of us. closer to the cre- <laughs> closer to the creation of us. What a dumbass thing to say. She's- Cleopatra existed at a time that was closer to the creation of the iPhone than it was to the creation of the pyramids hey, that's hey. what i was trying to say sorry Okay. guess so i
1: pick up what you're putting down
0: yeah but that when i heard that it blew my mind but you don't quite realize and then i started to think what is the time like if people live like 70 80 maybe 100 years
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's i mean you can just with you know a couple degrees of separation a
1: couple degrees of kevin bacon
0: yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: There's a lot of guys that come into the shop who, who remember like, Oh, I used to get my hair cut here when I was a little kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like we are, we're sitting there to having these same conversations. It's cool because I feel like it's, it's something that's unique to barbershops and maybe a few other things, but I was, was that shop. I was telling you about in orange County where mm-hmm. my brother took me and I sit down and I'm looking around and I'm like, man, every one of these guys cutting hair is bald, like skin bald, covered in tattoos. And some of the tattoos were a little bit neo-Nazi type. You touch. Know? And touch. I, I kind of, I got a little uncomfortable. And I always remember it was, um, I that was where I was when I found out Prince died.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I was sitting there, read that news article we left and i'm like hey um what's going on back there brother starts cracking up laughing he's like hey i didn't want to say anything to you i thought i would just you know kind of see what you thought but you see how you got it yeah yeah these guys were all um, former skinheads you mm-hmm. know nazi skinheads from like the huntington beach area and they have all changed their lives and they've formed together and they have this awesome barbershop where they have people of all races come in and they cut their hair. And cool. I, don't, I don't know enough about it if there's like a bigger story to it where I'm sure there's more to it than just that, right? But yeah. it, what a cool concept. That is pretty
1: neat. Um,
0: well, and, and one of my episodes of
1: Cherokee, uh, there's uh, my client, George, who's been in and out of federal prison for 17 years. And to hear his story was probably one of the more moving stories because I'm not around that environment and to hear like his come up like he grew up outside of Philadelphia started selling drugs when he was 12 um, met his wife they sold drugs together he sold her a fentanyl patch that she overdosed and died on like his story is just and he said the most the most heart-wrenching thing he said to me after we filmed his episode he goes you know no one's ever asked me my story because i'm a convict Whew, that was it mhm And now, now he cleans my shop for me.
0: I love stuff like that.
1: Yep. I trust that man enough. I gave him a key to my shop, and he comes in every Monday and cleans. He's a good man. Someone's got to give him some work.
0: Oh, man. I, I mean, geez. I think about the things that I've probably done that could have led me to into the same position you know it's just life's a bunch of circumstances
1: the only difference between him and us is we got caught or he later he got caught yeah that's it
0: yeah yeah oh for sure (laughs) i I had a guy that lived across the street from me when we grew up he moved and uh he came over to our house and was talking to my parents and he was like yeah i just got out of prison i had robbed a bank in erie pa (laughs) like I'm out on parole. I'm, yeah, I'm over here. Now we're like having dinner. You know, it was interesting. But, I yeah, man, people make mistakes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, that was a really good episode to see that. You know how he turns his life around. Mm-hmm.
0: What's like? Is there a, is there a commonality that, or what? Like, trying to think, what's the the good thing that you've seen with people, like? Having this raw ability to like connect with individuals, like you said, where they're just unguarded, they just want to sit down. You can kind of ask them some things and you know, you, they probably open up a little bit more than people traditionally would. Like what is this, the common thing that you've been able to pull from society that, in general?
1: Everybody has a story. If you're willing to listen, that's the big thing. Everybody has a story. And I, I love pulling or finding those stories in people, even the most closed off, quiet individuals. You touch on one specific thing and you can watch them just go. And it's it's the ability to use that that avenue to really connect with them. And that's that's why my clients aren't just clients as much as they are their friends, their family. You know, we connect. Um, I'll give you this this quick story. I had a gentleman come in for his... his Uh, Tuesday morning appointment first appointment of the day said hey how's it going how was your weekend said well my wife died a couple hours ago (sighs) right but he came in for his haircut so instead of like harping on the how and why's I just asked him tell me about what life was like over the last 50 years with your wife and we sat there and told stories about his wife which I think was more cathartic than sitting there talking about the death of his wife Yeah. So it's those kind of connections that I really, I mean, I'll carry those forever.
0: Yeah. And I think if you have this mentality that things happen for a reason and people and things are put in your life at certain points in time, I, you know, it all, I had this conversation, it's kind of strange. I wasn't expecting to go here, but um, (laughs) I watched a movie. With my wife, um, called the Adam Project. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of it or if you've, you know, yes, you know, heard of it. It's Ryan Reynolds. And I without spoiling it for anybody, basically he he has this ability to go back and connect with himself as a young kid and try to change things potentially with the future, rewrite some wrongs or something like that. But um for whatever reason, I did not handle this movie very well. And like, I'm not embarrassed to say this. Like I, I got choked up. I had to leave, got got kind of sad, man. It was, it was tough to watch. And it was like mm-hmm. these scenes of this kid talking to um, his dad who, you know, like isn't alive in the future. And he's mm-hmm. like getting this opportunity to rehab these conversations. And um, I lost my grandfather at a young age. I was like in third grade, nine, nine years old. Um, He was a big, big part of my life. And I was talking with my grandmother on the phone. And, you know, I don't think I ever realized how much that probably affected me. And now Mm -hmm. that I have kids, um, I'm having these, you know, thoughts and, you know, just constantly worried about making sure that I'm taking care of them. And probably a little bit fearful, like that, the things that you can't control could happen, and I could be gone tomorrow. And I don't want to ever put them in the position that I maybe felt like I was in. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it wasn't until recent that I th- I kind of understood, though. And it was ha- very hard for me to to come to this realization. But everything is as exactly as it should be. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like my grandfather passing away when he was fifty two, before I got the opportunity to have him involved in so many things that for years I resented. I don't even know what I resented. Cause it was like maybe him because uh, you know, he, he had a heart attack and died. Like it wasn't anybody's fault. Nothing happened. It just was horrible circumstances, mm-hmm. but I was mad at something, the world, you know, that that happened. But now that I have all these other great things in my life, I have a, an amazing wife. I have amazing kids. And I think about how none of that probably would be the case, or at least it would be a lot different. Yeah. And maybe that's the mind trick, right? Maybe I just, what you don't know, you don't know. But I think about what I wouldn't have today if things would have been differently. Um, and that's a hard thing to start to swallow. And that's hard mm-hmm. to think that way when you're younger and you don't have a world of experience and life under your belt after that bad thing has happened, right? Mm-hmm. But as that does occur and you start to have a family and realize that I probably would have never moved to Philadelphia and met my wife if that would have never occurred. Maybe a lot of other things would have happened it steered me in a different direction if my grandfather wouldn't have passed away. And oh, yeah. so you have to come to that understanding or at least I believe you need to come to that understanding that everything is as it should be good bad and different right
1: oh yeah Uh, i think where like where i'm ended up right now is where i was always supposed to be um one of my favorite sayings is you will grow through what you go through there's a lot of things i don't want to do a lot of things that i was forced to do yeah but you become better people and you end up where you are because of them
0: so you've got big plans for season two Uh, yeah season
1: two big plans we're going to be doing some traveling
0: are you planning i i I think i may have asked you this but are you planning to figure out a way to get back to our hometown
1: that would be that would be an awesome an awesome thing to come back and 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 film at least george's because I don't know, i'm sure you remember growing up there was two barbers in town you either went to tommy which was over by where um country fair is mm-hmm. um, he was right there in that strip where the bike place is i don't know if you're familiar right there and then there was George's, literally there's only two, and Yep. So
0: like
1: there was the three barbers and you were kind of classified which barber you went to. <laughs> and that's it.
0: Yeah, my dad took, a, I oh man, dude, I remember, <clears throat> I'll never forget. My dad took us to Fred Coppersmith and my grandfather blew a gasket. <laughs> so pissed off. Why in the hell would you take those boys to Fred Coppersmith? That's right. Nothing against Fred Coppersmith. No, Listen, no, no. I just talked white. to Joe, actually. Joe wanted to give me a bunch of Fred stuff. Yeah. I mean, he, he cut my hair a bunch of times, but I mean, it was, it, you, you didn't do, you were, you were a, a George guy. Like, you don't well, go.
1: funny? So my dad went to uh, jo- uh, Coppersmith, but my grandfather took me and him to George's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was no, there was no division. You had, you either went there or no.
0: Yeah, and you just didn't talk about it. It was just no. A, yeah, a, you
1: just didn't talk
0: about it. It was stated. It was just stated, it's, and you it's didn't, like you
1: also you didn't talk about like the 1968 Playboys that George had displayed out there too. You just didn't talk about them.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I I remember I had I got a pen somehow while I was there. When you would turn the pen, there was like girls in bikinis that were not in bikinis, any like just cool little. Yeah. Just yeah.
1: Thing all kinds of little little trinkets
0: yeah yeah what a great time to be a kid
1: how do we say bradford was one of the greatest places to ever grow up
0: i believe that to be true more as i get older
1: mm-hmm. there's a, there's a certain level of small town nostalgia that's just forgotten do you get back often i'm going back in june my, my my last brother is graduating high school no kidding yep so i'm going back for for the graduation party
0: very exciting. Yeah, I don't get back as much as I should. Try I
1: always to. plan the best. I always plan, like, I got four days. I get about two, and I'm like, yeah, time to go home.
0: <laughs> Every yeah, it's time. De- it's definitely tough. I I enj- I do enjoy going back to visit more and more. And I miss, more than anything, I miss the people.
1: You yeah. Know, there's yeah. still so
0: many people that, that I've grown up with and that I've become close with that are still back home. So that's always good to see. But it's it can be tough. I love having, I mean it's I got the best of both worlds here where I'm at, just north mm-hmm. of like Pittsburgh area. It's so perfect. I can get I can get back there if I need to. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. It's only about four hours from Harrisburg. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad
0: at all. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know the weather. So uh, again, I'm getting old, man. It's like I might. Like, it's got to get myself to like Texas or something like that where it's a little bit a little bit hot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you, you don't do the snow as much anymore as you get older.
0: No, no, not at all. Was um uh, was there anything else we talked about the last time that we should touch on?
1: I don't think so. I think we've we've covered it all. Just trying to think. Uh, my was, website, um, t- uh, www.tatethebarber.com. Um, you can check out the shop. Uh, you can check out the book that I wrote over COVID about my my EMS career. That oh, was a lot of fun.
0: right. Yeah. What was that called?
1: Um, 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 I'm blanking on it. It's on the website. <laughs> it's been that kind of a day. Uh, in a nutshell, I had three months off because of COVID and we weren't, we weren't working at all. So I took that opportunity to finish a book that I'd been writing for five years about my EMS career. And one of my clients is a editor and publisher. So he helped me get it edited and published and
0: it's on Amazon you just know how to get shit done. It's, you know, you know what it is. It's, it's, it's connections. It's networking. People need to realize that. And nothing, this is not a knock on Bradford at all, but I will say you don't understand the power of the network. And, and yeah, when you, when, like, I always viewed that as a bad thing. My, you know, God, my mom, just because of the way she was probably raised, it was like, oh, you have to know people. Like, I, that was a bad thing. Like, that was a bad thing. Yeah, no, now it's a good thing. Yeah, now it's like, yeah, you got to know people and you better know people like you need to go out of your way to meet people and build strong relationships, not have that be a negative thing. And it's like, God, like, if I would have if I would have known what I know now, I would have completely looked at things differently. But it was way later in my life than I probably needed it to be that I, that was like, very crystal clear to me.
1: I learned that very early on the friendships and the networking through the barbershop, the
0: yeah. best, the best. You can't beat it, man. And at the end of the day, when we all wake up and our bank accounts don't work and the internet's <laughs> off and you, you go to TV, I still got and it's just like Russian television or something like some crazy shit. Then, yeah. Yeah. You can still go down to, See Tate the barber and get a nice high and tight, maybe a horseshoe. Maybe a horseshoe.
1: We'll still be doing haircuts. That's fucking
0: right, dude. I love it. (laughs) That's so good. Oh man, I appreciate you making the time to come back on here.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. This was this was fun. I can't wait to to see it again. This time it'll work, I promise.
0: Yes, no, for sure. (laughs) Um, you you talked about the website, so yeah, I I think that's everything, brother. I appreciate it. And Sounds good, man. I'm starting to get drunk. This is my second whiskey since I've been home, and I'm I'm not proud used to drinking. But I'm proud of you. Hey, cheers to 20 years worth of
1: uh, friendship.
0: <laughs> Deal. Cheers, brother.
1: Cheers. This has been fun.
0: Thanks, we'll chat
1: man. soon. Take care.